Pardon me, do you have the time? For you, of course. It's Schmanners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Doing okay. Recovering from our the Florida business. Yes. Nice we to do be ap- back in the saddle, yes. We do apologize um, that we were unable to record last week because of the hurricane. <laughs> yes, our plan had been that we were going to do the live show in Orlando last Sunday evening, and then we would use our Schmanners live show for that to, to put out last week, and then uh, the venue decided to uh, reschedule the live show, and we weren't able to record, and we didn't have any recording equipment with us at that point, uh, so we just weren't able to do it. Uh, but here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. We're back now. We've made time uh-huh. to record. Listen, that intro, we went super simple, but there are so many songs and references <laughs> to time we could have made. Thought about pulling out some Hootie and the Bluefish. Uh, is it Chicago that does? Does anyone really know what time it is? I think so. Yes? Yeah. 25 or 64, I think, is also them, which I think is another song about time. There's lots of them. Time. Everybody's so focused on it. That Einstein guy was pretty uh, obsessed about it. I mean, he understood that's relativity. Listen, it's all relative. You know what I mean? Time. Um, Just a side note. Listen, this is a weird side note. But if anybody's interested in weird things about time and time travel and stuff, highly recommend a weird book by Alan Lightman called Einstein's Dreams. Oh, yeah. That's one of your bathroom books. Yeah. It's just a, like a series of different scenarios in which it's basically like, what if time moved differently in this world or time behaved differently? And it's really, really cool. Uh, it's a thinker. Man, it'll give you lots to think about. Real fun. I love time travel. And, you know, if you think about it, Teresa, we're traveling in time right now. Are forward. We? Yes. Uh, we're always traveling forward, yes, it seems. Right? We're always moving forward at one minute to one minute speed. Yes. But, <laughs> hey, that's still travel. Am I right? So, are we talking about time travel? We should do a whole episode about the etiquette of time travel. <laughs> Maybe that'll be our bonus episode. I'll leave that to you. Okay. No, we're talking about watches. Yes, we have discussed several other, um, let's say, accessories. Yes, that's true. We've done handkerchiefs. We've done uh, wedding rings. Uh, hats. Hats, gloves. yes. Um, see, the thing is, though, none of those, I suppose maybe hats and gloves There is a practical with, nature, yes. Have been so utilitarian as the watch. Uh-huh. Um, but really only for certain people at certain times. And I'll go through that. Yes. But I mean, if you think about it, the watch is one of, uh, I would say is, is I, for without being able to think of another example, the only example I can think of, of a thing that has been an accessory for as long as it's existed. Right. I don't know that there was a time where it's like, no people like, for example, when I think about other accessories that we might talk about in the future, right? The locket. Do people still routinely use lockets? The cameo, right? Like these kinds of things that for the walking stick, these kinds of things that for a while 
no one was right like that's just what you did Mm -hmm. but a watch seems like a thing that even now we've seen it go through so many different iterations right well we can't talk about the watch without talking about clocks in general okay so let's do it and the idea of measuring time um so not only have have watches but clocks i said in general have always been kind of a symbol of wealth and influence and and even about the philosophy of of keeping time and right now we're probably just talking about mechanical clocks and stuff but man you can go back to like water clocks and sundials and candles used to tell time According to archaeologists, uh, the first people to even think about measuring time were probably the Babylonians and the Egyptians as early as 5,000 years ago. And that's just what we've recorded. Exactly. Right? That's just examples we have. There was probably definitely like a, a like caveman, right, who's like, the sun is moving. It's dark now. Mm-hmm. Right? So like time has passed. Maybe he didn't say it that way, but like he was he probably was like, oh, I got to get inside. My shows are starting. <laughs> but was probably like. Mm, something has changed. So, like you said, these early timekeeping devices were probably set on natural cycles like the solar day, the lunar month, and the solar year. Um, and the reason, not only to catch your shows, but also... No, especially now. You can get it on streaming. You don't. People just don't really do event television anymore. Probably cycles of planting and harvesting. Yes, that makes right? complete sense, right? Because exactly. like that, you didn't work in the dark because like mm-hmm. so you need to know how much time was left, and you need to know like oh it's gonna get cold right so we got to get done in time for this oh right. the food will be ready then so we can harvest it that that makes complete sense exactly um but time measuring time especially solarly um has varied across the planet because as you live at different latitudes mm-hmm. you uh, can't just go by that right exactly people up north near, it's bright all the time like nine months out of the year it's just sun 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 um so people near the equator um measured probably more by the lunar cycle because mm-hmm. that's what they could observe changing more um, and the uh, the calendar that we use today is probably a mishmash of Babylonian, Egyptian, Jewish, and Roman calendars. Yes, that totally tracks. Just look at the names of our months. Yes, exactly. Um, but and the names of our days. It's Thor's day. No, I guess that's Norse, isn't it? Ah, it's fine. Oh, yeah, it's a mishmash of everything. <laughs> it's a mishmash. Um, but the idea of dividing a day into time was probably accomplished by the Egyptians and what they called temporal hours. Wow. So what they did what was... A cool phrase. <laughs> <laughs> they divided the intervals of darkness and daylight into a dozen equal parts. Yes. This we understand. Sounds, yes. Summer hours were longer, winter hours were shorter, and the only days where they were equal were during the spring and autumn equinoxes. Yes. This is This is something that still survives, obviously. Um... And like a lot of the really great stuff that the Egyptians did, the Greeks and the Romans were like, sweet, we're going to take We're going to steal it. We'll put our own names on it and pretend like we came up with it. <laughs> um, and we're going to spread it as our own idea yes. throughout mm-hmm. our conquests in Europe. Yes. Great. Um, like you mentioned, though, once the Roman Empire expanded far enough north... Uh, people who lived in cloudy and even like the frozen parts of Europe were like, 
how do we tell what time it is if we can never see the sun right. hidden behind the clouds and stuff? Um, so this is when, well, I wouldn't say when this problem was solved. I would say uh, much later. This is when people began working on solving this problem. <laughs> this is, I mean, the candle clocks and the water clocks and all this stuff was, uh, you know, was worked on between these two times of the Roman Empire expansion and 1283. By the way, though, if you ever want to, like, be, like, blown away, I think the ingenuity that people had to track time before mechanical clocks existed is brilliant. You know, basically, like, measuring down a candle and saying, you know, this chunk of candle is this long and this chunk is this long, or, like we poke a small hole in this jar and by the time it drains this much time has passed right it's, it's absolutely I mean, brilliant same thing with um what are the ones hourglass yeah. Right? yeah you just have to remember to turn it over yeah oh man which uh, it's hard to forget that if you're like playing a really tense board game you know what i mean then I, like which now maybe in this day and age there's only two times i've seen an hourglass in my uh, uh like regularly in my life and one is uh, playing board games right and two for some reason somebody gave us one for our wedding i can't remember why exactly it was beautiful it, though. Was, it was beautiful and there was an accompanying kind of beautiful note about the time that we'll spend together i don't, I don't sands know. through the hourglass and the days of our lives <laughs> but in 1283 um the first weight driven mechanical clock was installed at a monastery nunnery called Dunstable Priory in Bedfordshire, England. Okay. Um, after that, like a lot of things that people, that the church kept for themselves, we, uh, the the church at that time kept clocks for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So they uh, would build, um, build, churches with clocks and that's why you would have the bells right because it's like Mm -hmm. we'll tell you what time it is just listen for the bells they'll tell you the hour and stuff exactly and not only was this a way of placating the masses but it also was a way of um dividing up the hours of prayer okay right so you would you knew at three bells you had to get down and pray i guess right um and they also were the only people around who had money so they probably were the only people who could employ craftsmen and mechanics and people to build and maintain the clock well because that's the thing at that point these clocks were talking about like weight driven yeah you needed people to wind them and reset them and keep them going because it wasn't like yeah you just turn it on and it stays accurate like you had to like keep basically resetting it and fixing it and yeah they're very complicated pieces um, and even even then, like as far as hours go, a lot of people in this time period didn't even really need to know right. that hour. You went to work when you woke up, yeah, and you worked, and then you and then the finished work, down. and you went home. <laughs> yeah. So, um, even some of these these early clocks in churches only only tell, um, like sun up, sun down. And like, do you ever think about that? It's like, think of all the times you've gotten hungry for lunch at like 10 a.m. And you're like, oh, I got away. I just had breakfast like two hours ago. <laughs> and but imagine you're like a cobbler in like the 1600s. Like, I guess it's lunchtime. 
I don't know. Um, not only that, but the way that people designed clocks from, you know, region to region differed because everybody seemed to count those 12 hours differently. Like Italian hours started at sunset, Babylonian hours started at sunrise, Germany started at midnight, and finally uh, the French who were pretty much like the head of the church at the time mm-hmm. were like we're all going to start at midnight yeah. so they finally I don't that. know that it's because I've always lived that way but it feels like that makes the most sense right I don't know I mean our 24 hour clock yeah we start at midnight but then again would it make more sense if it was like hour zero right Is sun, but then again sun up changes Right. Yeah. Maybe that's why we don't do it. Because it varies. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So I say I don't know. I don't know. But like sometimes people just decide. They yep. just say think about this is man, what we do. Every so often I think about the fact that alphabetical order is completely made up and it yeah. could have been in any order. And like so much of our lives now is like devoted to alphabetical order. A thing that's completely made up. Those letters could have gone anywhere. <laughs> it does It does help that at least in English they rhyme in the song. That helps. <laughs> in that song. What? I mean, maybe there's other songs where they don't rhyme. Oh, no. Please. Uh, please don't confuse me anymore. Okay, I'm, tr- okay. I'm trying to teach Bibi to read, and it's hard enough. <laughs> so let's move up to the 15th century. Okay? okay. And this is finally when clocks started to move into like domestic use Uh Um, and your wealth was measured by if you could own a small house clock uh, because of the ability to move it right right? okay Um, and then 16th century clocks got pendulums and this is important because these clocks weren't just fashion they were made into furniture so they became super trendy. They became super. This is like your like, grandfather clock, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, that's one of the kind of clocks that were that were made not at the time, but these cases became ornate and beautiful. Oh and yeah, like, some of my favorite on the Antiques Roadshow. That's right. Oh, and they did the with, with with the faces where they would have sometimes not animation, but like art that as the hours moved, like it would turn from day to night on mm-hmm. the watch fa- on the clock face and that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and so this is when, like, the the clock as trend really exploded. And by the 1800s, there were so many, like, skilled craftsmen and watchmakers and factory producible watches that they became available enough for the growing middle class. Do you know what I miss? I was always, when I was a kid, I was always really fascinated by the idea of like grandfather clocks and like big, you know, pendulum clocks. I think the reason is like they they created ambient noise is Mm -hmm. really what it comes down to. The tick tock that we think of in the clocks, right, created ambient noise. But now as I'm saying it out loud, I'm betting that there are people who grew up with them like it was haunting and very (laughs) upsetting. I did not care for it. I found that it was just a reminder of the passage of time and us marching ever onward. Um, but yeah, I was I always liked the idea of it as a part of like the noise of a house, you know. Sure. Yeah, we had one in my house growing up. We didn't. I think does it still work? I don't know. But I can picture where it was on the wall in the living room. 
But that's not really a grandfather clock. This is a clock with a pendulum. Oh. I wanted something I could potentially hide in. Oh, I yes. see. I see. Well, no, we didn't have one of those. Okay. Um, so one of the reasons that particularly the middle class needed watches is because around this time of the industrialization. Can I guess? Can I guess? Sure. They were factories and you had to get to work on time. Yes. And? Buses? Railroads. Okay. I was close. Um, Public transportation is what I should have said. Sure, 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 sure. But people were were working in these places. They were visiting these places. They were using that. So they needed to keep time effectively, unlike, you know, like centuries earlier where it was like four bells is enough, I guess. Right. Or if you worked in a farm, you went to work until you stopped working. Right. Um, And... It's really interesting to look at pawn records from this time because um, from the 19th century in the U.S., like 40 40 to 50% of everything pawned were pocket watches. Huh. Okay. Yeah, you know what? That makes sense in in a lot of ways. This probably was a slightly big ticket item, right? Mm -hmm. Like wouldn't break your bank to buy it, but it wasn't something you just flippantly bought, right? So you probably invested some money in it. Yes. But then, if you hit hard times, it was probably also one of the more expendable things that you could pawn for a brief amount of people. Like, you you wouldn't want to pawn, you know, fill in the blank because you needed that every day. But you could maybe get by just asking people on the street what time it was for a couple of days. <laughs> and... um like I said, I, I specified pocket watches because up until this point, there was really only pocket watches that were used as timekeeping pieces. <laughs> Excuse me. Wrist watches definitely existed. They were often referred to as wristlets because Ooh. they were relegated to women's fashion, basically. Okay. A lot of them didn't even, like... Work? work. Oh. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Um, so if you were a working woman, you would still wear a pocket watch. You would wear it kind of on your waist out and about or sometimes in a pin. Um, or sometimes you would like just have it kind of chained from pocket to pocket. But men were considered like you're supposed to make a big to-do out of getting your pocket watch out of your pocket. Yes, we've seen movies. Exactly, exactly. So the chain would go from uh, front pocket to the chain hanging out of their their either vest pocket or their suit pocket. Um, And you would often hold like a little, there'd be like a little tassel and a watch winding key. And you know, you want to just, you make a a big show. You make a big show out of it. Um, Okay, I want to expand just a little bit on the whole women wearing inoperable watches okay, for please. just a second. Please. I know we need to get to some questions, but this is quick. Um, so the first modern, in the sense of the word, uh, watch was designed for the Queen of Naples in 1810. Um and it was a thin oval repeater watch mounted on a wristlet of hair and gold thread. Hair? Yeah. So like human hair? Yeah. Okay. So like not like utilitarian at all. Uh-huh. Uh very delicate, very showy, basically jewelry. Okay. Um so like 
as watches became more available in the end of the 19th century, uh, working women started wearing men's watches. <laughs> yes. Uh, because, because they weren't. These little wristlet things um, were beautiful, but they... Uh, it was like it, a tiny handbag, right? It's really cute, but you can't keep anything in it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and so by 1912... Um, the wristwatch became, quote, the fashion of the hour. Oh, I get it. Yeah. But they get were... it because it's out of the hour. It's uh, okay. um, and like a lot of good things that women do, men said, that's a great idea. Going to mm. take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in July of 1916, the New York Times released an article about this strange European fashion trend where people were starting to attach small clocks to bracelets. I'm giving you no, yeah, just the rolliest eyes. I'm worried you're going to hurt yourself. And <laughs> the quote from the article I have, which is amazing, says, until recently, the bracelet watch was looked upon by Americans as more or less of a joke. Vaudeville artists and moving picture actors have utilized it as a fun maker, as a silly butt fad. <laughs> can we say, can we say the the bad name for butt on this? Page? It's the A S S word. Yeah, that one. Um, and I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, so like this thing that's a necessity. Was just considered like flippin' women's wear. Anyway. That's I'm, silly. I'm getting worked up. Okay. Here is when it changes for realsies. Okay. During war. Okay. That makes complete sense. Yes. Because then you wouldn't want a chain hanging down, right? You need to, like, we're talking about ease of use. Mm-hmm. You're wearing your watch, right? That's mm-hmm. going to get caught on stuff. You know what time it is, so you can make plans military-wise and otherwise. Right. It's uh, more utilitarian. Um, during a, a war in South Africa between ni- 1899 and 1902, I believe called the Bayer War. I don't know it. Um, that I, but is- to be fair, I don't know anything about history. Oh, okay. At all. I don't know why you looked at me, the person <laughs> on this show who's just like here. You, you're supposed to know things. Thanks, honey. Thanks. Um so uh, it was a desert war um and the time key- keeping um was was a necessity at the time um and so much so that these watches were being uh, were being fitted with like unbreakable glass mm-hmm. and radium and things like that to make them more and more usable in the field but still there was this holdout of um, wristwatches are for women so what people were actually doing is fashioning their own wristwatches where they take the pocket watch and kind of like tie it around their wrist okay that will change after world war um world war one because like manufacturers were like we can make this better yeah and, and sell, sell it, it. To you. yeah i know you already have a pocket watch but do you have a wristwatch that we've just made it's brand new Ooh. so by the end of world war one um one of the the taglines were make a man 
more soldier-like, more marital, more masculine. Yeah, I know, I know. I I mean, it was about marketing these watches toward war heroes and aviators and, you know. And dudes who didn't go to war to be like, don't you want to feel like you did? Certainly. Um, so then, like, it still had the connotation of the wristlets, but we're moving out of that. We've got these watches. And finally, um, it came up to places like Cartier, Tiffany, Rolex to finally... Fossil. <laughs> not fossil. <laughs> to kind of roll out the the... I mean, roll out the barrel, the gamut of all these beautiful and yet, um, you you know, workable, usable yeah. watches. And of course, the marketing goes women's and men's and unisex and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, basically wear any watch you like. I don't care. Wear one that's comfortable and fits. That's right. Um, now, here's the thing. Okay. Watches went out of fashion for a while. <gasps> really? Because of phones yes okay um phones became kind of the new pocket watch in a way i mean you oh my goodness you're right yeah you could constantly check the time on your phone even if it wasn't a smartphone to begin with right still had usually a clock on it um you you know pull it out of your pocket in the same way and and it's something that's now attached to our hands in a in a strange dystopian fashion uh-huh. um, but they replaced it and then came the smartwatch right mm-hmm. so we moved rather quickly back away from wristwatches to a pocket watch quote unquote back to wristwatches because we put the smartphone in a tiny face that you yeah. can wear on your wrist instead of keep in your pocket I would also probably think I'm as I've so many times said I'm not a sociologist or a, I guess behavior I don't know anthropologist sure um, you're none of those things. I'm I'm nothing <laughs> <laughs> but but I would bet that there was a time where we basically kind of burned out on checking your phone right because checking your phone for the time often leads to like other distractions and oh I got a notification or like it looks like you're looking at your phone. And as we will discuss, one of the things about a wristwatch over basically any other timepiece is you can do it covertly. You can do it discreetly, check the time without like having to pull out a pocket watch and make a big show of like, how long have I been here? How long is it? Or taking your phone out like when you're on a date and being like, "Uh, am I boring you? That kind of thing. Also, wristwatches have kind of declined because we are surrounded by timekeeping. Yes, this is like true. Like they're on, uh, it's on our cable box. It's on our computer our screens. Our computer screens. Uh, yes. It's on some. Alexa's can tell you. Yeah, some of that kind of stuff. Like we have clocks on our ovens. We have clocks on the wall in the kitchen. Like they're, they're, they're just everywhere. And so it doesn't really just look around. Yeah. And you'll probably find a timekeeping device. Okay, so we're going to answer your questions. But first, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? Let's do it. Schmanners is sponsored in part this week by Native Deodorant. 
Um, native touts fewer, simpler ingredients that are thoughtfully sourced from around the world and put together in the USA. Um, so they come in lots of different scents. One of my favorite at the moment is actually cucumber and mint. <gasps> and what? I know what? It, but I, you don't like cucumbers. What? I know. I know, but I do like the subtlety of the scent. Oh boy! So oh, I this was... is folks. <laughs> uh, my world. Oh, it's been set on its ear. I, I, I don't even know what to think. I was using the lavender and vanilla, but in my pregnancy, it became a little overwhelming. This is so funny because now when people are like, "When you were pregnant with the second baby, did you have any cravings?" and I'm gonna say, Poof, "She craved for cucumber deodorant," and then I'll leave the room. <laughs> I'm not eating it. Well, no, uh, yeah, smell. you're right. It does like sound like you were eating it. <laughs> it does make it sound like you're. Uh, but it's it's very delicate, which I like. And if you like it, you can save $2 a stick and have Native conveniently delivered to your door either every one, two, three, or even four months. Now, I, I do want to say that it is important that we make the distinction that Native is not an antiperspirant. It is a deodorant. It is a deodorant. And that works well for me because my lifestyle does not require that I sweat very often. And I'm not in generally, like, even before that, very, like, a sweaty person. Now, I will say, though, because we just got back from a week rolling around uh, at Disney World in the heat. Did great. Did great. We felt fresh most of the time. I mean, after you know, Disney, after you a had while, to we're all <laughs> mentally, physically, spiritually. It's a lot. Yes, but we brought the native deodorant. We used the native deodorant. It worked for us. And if it works for you, you can see if it works for you, and you can get a twenty percent off your first purchase by visiting nativedeodorant.com and using the promo code Schmanners during checkout. One more time, that's twenty percent off your first purchase. Go to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code Schmanners at checkout. I can't hear are you myself, but I'm These are real podcast listeners, not actors. Uh, hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse Go? Go. Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Hello there, ghouls and gals. It is I, April Wolf. I'm here to take you through the twisty, scary, heart pounding world of genre cinema on the exhilarating program known as Switchblade Sisters. The concept is simple. I invite a female filmmaker on each week and we discuss their favorite genre film. Listen in closely to hear past guests like the Babadook director, Jennifer Kent, Winter's Bone director, Deborah Granick, and so many others every Thursday on MaximumFun.org. Tune in if you dare. <laughs> it's actually a very thought-provoking show that deeply explores the craft and philosophy behind the filmmaking process while also examining film through the lens of the female gaze. So, like, you should listen. Switchblade Sisters. Okay, our first question. I think I start every question section by saying okay, but it's all right. Listen, we all have our catchphrases, and one of mine, I guess, is okay. Uh, <laughs> this comes from Dimmaw. 
how to not look like a jerk taking out a pocket watch to check the time. Now listen, I'll say this because Teresa's is too nice. Unless it is a fancy dress occasion, and here I'm speaking in terms of like dressed up, not like in the uh, British sense of like a costume party, but unless you're like all dressed up fancy, the reason you wear a pocket watch is to show off a little <laughs> bit, right? Like it's okay, but you can't say it's more practical or easier. It's not. I think that there are ways, though, to make it discreet. Um, and so, first of all, it's about um, it's about timing uh, and repeatability. Yes. If you take the watch out of your pocket, like, every two minutes to check the time, that is drawing attention to yourself. That makes it sound you like, you're, like it jerk. makes it look like you're planning a train heist. Exactly. Um, so, you know, be... Uh, what do I want to say here? here look, okay, here's what I would say. I am a person who has made lots of bold choices about my style and fashion and overall appearance, right? What you are trying to find is the difference between a choice and an affectation. Sure, right? yeah. And so I think that if you are doing it and you are not making a show out of it, right, and by which the, the word I would stress there is making, right? You're not making a show out of it. You're just doing it, right? People might think you're a jerk or whatever but people can think whatever they want to if you are making the choice that this is how you want to tell time then make sure you're doing it for you and it's because it's a thing you want to do and let other people think whatever they want about physical recommendations i would suggest that if you're going to uh have a pocket watch keep it in your pants pocket Mm -hmm. um that is easiest to locate and with your dominant hand so that it's quick and it's efficient and it is discreet, like I said. Um, instead of, you know, how I talked about the chains and the across the chest and the flourish that's needed. And that works if you're going for the fancy look. <laughs> if you're Listen, going don't for the fancy wrong. look. I've done that look. That was, uh, like, engraved pocket watches was my, uh, uh, you know, bridal party gift to my right. to my groomsmen. It, it, you, yes, it's fine. Listen. It can are, be done. There are occasions where that flourish is what you want. <laughs> Listen, I'm a man who just bought myself a walking stick. Don't worry about it. It's not important. <laughs> but sometimes the flourish can be done. Also, um, if you have a pocket watch that has a cover on it, um, make sure that you can do it with one hand where you can push the little button that releases the cover to see um, so that you're not making, like you said, making a show of it. And probably people won't notice. No. Um, nobody knows this is what anyone else does. It's fine. <laughs> We're um, all thinking about ourselves. This is from, oh, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced this, Karakuchi Boy? Sure. Is there a way to check the time without seeming bored? Again, I think it's about how many times you do the action. Right. Right? Because if you're if you're checking with frequency, you will seem bored. Right. Um, that That is a problem I have that I try really hard not to, but like, I like there's something about my brain that needs to know what time it is all the time, even if only two minutes has passed. And so it's a thing that I actively work on, like not checking my phone over and over again, not looking my watch over and over again, because it's not about I don't I don't want to be here or Mm -hmm. I don't want to be with this person. It is really just like, what time is it now? (laughs) But what about now? (laughs) What? Because I'll always be eight years old. Also, um, you may need to keep track of the time for an appointment that you need yes. to keep. And I would suggest setting a discreet alarm for mm-hmm. that. Maybe just a vibrate only or something. Uh, if it's a if it's a smartwatch or, um, 
you know, you can set alarms that are like a gentle beep on some of these sport watches and things like that so that then you won't have to worry about what time it is and check it, you know, you won't have to check it often. I, I will also say, though, that I think that this is something I think it's perfectly understandable and relatable to be worried about does checking the time make me seem like I'm bored? But I think that, like I said, it's relatable, right? I think when you look at your watch, as long as, as Teresa said, you're not doing it over and over and over and over again, right? I think most people will be like, he was looking at the time. They were looking at the time. She was yeah. checking the time. I don't think anybody would be like, oh, <laughs> I think they looked for the first time because I think a lot of the times this is one of those things where in trying to hide it or cover it up, that makes it seem like we're sneakily checking the time and that makes it seem like we're bored. There's a difference, I think, between being like sneaky about it and like you said, not making being a show out of it. Being casual about it. Yeah, yeah, just being casual. I'm just checking the time, whatever. And I would say um, that if on your smartphone is where you keep the time, then I would really recommend an alarm or some or some kind of chime because there are so many other like fun things you can do on your phone. So easy to get like sucked down. Yeah. Exactly. And then you will look like you're bored. Yes. You know what I did uh, when Teresa and I were dating? I would uh, sometimes just hand her my phone. Just say, please, I can't be trusted. <laughs> uh, this is from a big silly. Does it really matter which wrist you put it on? Uh, or is it like a major faux pas, for example, to be right-handed and wear a watch on your right wrist? Now, I, I don't know if everyone was told this, but when I started wearing a watch when I was a young person, I was told like, well, if you're right-handed, you wear it on your left wrist. And the reason for that is tradition. Traditionally, clocks are made so that the winding hands are available to someone who is right-handed, oh. winding the hands and pushing the buttons and whatever. Um, so you're wearing it on your left wrist. You use so your, you can right reach with your right hand and you can turn the, the knobs or whatever it is. Um, but nowadays, watches are designed in so many different ways. You can certainly find watches that have... Uh, the knobs on the other side or you know like it doesn't matter it doesn't <laughs> button I, I will say that now even now though I think I still would choose to wear my watch on my left wrist because I wear it a little looser mm -hmm. and because I'm right handed I wouldn't want you know as I shook hands or like I don't know ate or whatever wrote to have it like moving around on my yes, wrist. I would find certainly. that annoying. Um, but you know, you do you. It At this point, there are so many different watches and watches that are more accessory than utilitarian. And there are so many different ways. Like for a while, I feel like when we were growing up, stacking watches was a thing. Yes. And you know, so just, you know, do what you like. There was also a thing. I, I remember some like plastic, super cool like Ninja Turtles watches that had a cover like one might have uh, on like a pocket a watch, show. but it was like a turtle shell to open up, and then it just had the tiniest digital display <laughs> on it. Um, this is from Brooks. In general, is an analog or a digital watch more acceptable? Uh, then Brooks goes on to specifically say, "What about in professional settings?" Okay, so I want to backtrack this question just a little bit and talk about. Casual, sporty, and um, and fancy watches. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the things that that is is talked about over and over again for watch etiquette is about 
um, what we talked about, like availability yeah. of the time and moving your actual arm to look at it. So I would consider um, a casual watch to be one of those more like chunkier, noisier watches. You know, like the the one that you have um, that is like silver with the like big chain link type deals and it clicks and like does all that kind of stuff. Uh Those in general are a little more casual because they are, um, you know, visible. They're highly visible. Um, whereas in a fancy occasion, a dressy occasion, you would usually opt for maybe a leather strap. Well, it depends on the look I'm going for, right? Because yes, if I'm going for uh, an understated, more traditional look, yes. Yes. If I'm going for a flashier, you know, like, oh, you know, wearing more accessories and stuff, I might go with the flashier. But of watch, course, but... like I said about like traditionally is oh, yes. how I'm speaking. Yes. Um, oh, you're not speaking specifically no, about not me. Okay, you were looking at me and saying you, and I thought you were asking me no, what you, I try No, you as the global The royal you. you. Okay, got the, it. The global plural you. Okay. And one should type deal. Um, traditionally, that's a smaller band, a thinner band. It's less obtrusive, something like that. And then a uh, sports watch would be something that you would use for a very specific occasion. Uh, swimming, hiking. Like I have, So I have the Apple Watch. And, uh, you know, if I know I'm going to be like walking around and sweating a bunch or whatever, I have like one of those kind of more rubbery mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. sports bands that I can wear around and not worry about soaking with sweat or like it jangling around a bunch or whatever. Exactly. Um, so back to the idea of digital or analog. I think, again, it's less about the timekeeping like apparatus and more about the way the watch looks. Yes. Um, I think that they make some very beautiful digital watches. And I think that there are some like funky analog watches. Yes. So it's more about what the watch looks like with your outfit than the timekeeping device. Now, how do you feel about calculator watches? A thing that my father, Clint McRoy, owned at least two of when I was growing <laughs> up. This, it, in, in, for young people listening, this is a watch. Uh, that had a calculator built into it. Not like the way you do on your phone. I guess the way you do on your phone. Yeah, but it was actual buttons. It was just a calculator all the time on your wrist. (laughs) I suppose if you have need for that much calculation assistance, it could be useful. He was a radio DJ. He had no reason for it. It's not like someone was like, quick, is there a DJ in here who can help me with my taxes? Like that wasn't coming up. It's fashion, baby. Can I just tell you something right now? I would wear I know you would. To, to a very specific, not all the time, but to very specific occasions. Again, it's fashion. You would wear it for a very specific occasion where you wanted to look like a super nerd. <laughs> okay. You're talking about my father, madam. Yes, um, he's a super nerd. He, yes, he really and he is. He would agree. Yes, he would. Um, so, two more questions. This one from Spencer What's the protocol on wearing a watch on the inside of your wrist or the outside of your wrist? Is it a preference or is there a rule? There's no rule. It's definitely a preference, but it has to do about what you are doing. Remember how I talked about in um, in war war times? Yes. Um, a lot of watches were worn on the inside of the wrist just because it wasn't a reflective surface that yeah. they could see. Uh, I mean, if you're hiding out in a trench, you don't want any kind yes. of like 
reflection or light or anything like that. Also, um, in a combat zone, you might wear it on the inside of your wrist to protect it more. Yeah. Uh, just from scratches. Also, and that's true, I think, in life. In life. Know, all the time. Exactly. So, translating that to normal life, if you have something, you know, that's very dear to you, um, go ahead and wear it on the inside to protect it. It's or, also, you if could... you want to wear it on the inside, wear it. Yeah. It's also something <laughs> like, um, I do that sometimes. I will turn my watch inward uh, to be more discreet. Yes. So I can look at my, without, you know, bringing my watch up to my face and like looking at it that way, I can like kind of raise my hand and just look at the inside of my wrist, right? It is more readily available. It's yes. true. But I also, I don't do it because I find it wildly uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Because then it's right there when I reach in and I'm yeah. bending my wrist, poking me in the wrist. See, that's ah. the thing, right? Uh, one last one, and this is from Izzy, smart watch etiquette. Well, smartwatch etiquette is the same really as smartwatch as smartphone etiquette. I mean, basically, as you turn your wrist, the smartwatch appears with the watch face, right? But anything else that you're going to do requires you touching the buttons and looking at it and sometimes getting pretty close. Um, so use it as a watch when in company and then when you need to use it as your smartphone. I will say that the the kind of tipping point for me for getting the the smartwatch was when BB was born and I knew I would be in circumstances where I couldn't always check my phone mm -hmm. but especially when she was like a little teeny tiny baby I was so worried all the time about her very existence <laughs> that the idea of like not checking my phone and not seeing if it was like from you or message whatever was like giving me heart palpitations so that made sense to me um Especially, like, if we were going out and having a babysitter or whatever. Like, I want to be able, but I don't want to be staring at my phone. Right. Uh, I will say a pretty important piece of smartwatch etiquette is if you're going to something like the theater or movie theater or anything like that, mm -hmm. setting it to theater mode so that when you, like, move your hand to get some popcorn or move your hand to get a drink or whatever, your, like your watch face isn't lighting up and getting in people's faces. Right. And also, I would encourage you to be very judicious about what notifications appear on your smart watch um, because like you said if it's a night where you're you know worried about hearing from a babysitter by all means keep your text messages as a notification but at that point you don't need to know about twitter you don't need to know about reddit you don't need to know about your email like that kind of stuff can you can turn the notifications off and then you don't have to worry about constantly looking down and saying, oh, well, that's just my fantasy football league and then swipe it away. You know? Yes. OK, so that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a fun episode. I'm so yeah. I'm so glad to be back. I'm sorry we missed a week, but I hope you really like that. I hope you like this episode as much as I did. <laughs> um, so let's see. What, what are some quick, important announcements that you need to know? Um, we're going on tour soon. Well, yeah, we are. We'll probably do some schmanners there uh, in Washington, D.C. and Pittsburgh. Um, so if you have ideas for like schmanners topics in either of those cities, please let us know. Please send, send those. Send those in to schmannerscast at gmail.com. Um, oh, and I should also say this episode uh, was part of a jewelry uh, suggestion and now we're making it kind of a series and I'm going to credit it here in a second while Teresa tells you all the other oh <laughs> go check out maximumfun.org and all the other amazing shows that's right um, go check those out also um, remember 
to check out our fan run Facebook group Schmanners Fanners. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for that beautiful cover art. Um, and if it's a great place to go if you are looking f- to give or get excellent advice from other fans. Um, like today, uh, we always take listener submitted questions. Well, I don't say always. Most of the time, <laughs> we take listener submitted questions and we get all of those from Twitter. Um, and our Twitter handle is Schmanner, at SchmannersCast. Um, and thank you to Kayla M. Wassel for that beautiful thumbnail art. Um, also, thank you to Brent Brentelfloss Black for our theme music, which is super catchy and is available as a ringtone where those are found. Um, also, one more thank you to our research assistant, Alex. Um, she takes all of my jumbled ideas and makes them make sense. So thank you so much, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Chloe. Chloe suggested doing a jewelry topic, uh, which we will break down into several different topics because it's a big one. It's a big one. But gave me the idea to do watches, uh, which turned out to be a great episode. So thank you so much, Chloe. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.